Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, we'll begin, I, I, I want to begin in uh, verse 8. We're continuing with this subject that we've been on, the importance of continuing. And Paul deals with so many things in this chapter, and, and of course we know he deals with the perilous times uh, that will come in the last days. Um uh, you know, I mean, we, we use that term last days, and you know, I think ever since I've been born again, I've heard people talk about we're in the last days. Well, you know, really we've been in the last days according to Scripture since the day of Pentecost. I mean, that's when the end times began. Uh, but Paul says as it progresses, and he talks about different things that will happen, we're not going to get into that t- today, uh, but some of the things that we may or may not see in the day and age we live in. But he goes on and he talks about uh, some things in verse 8. He says, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. So notice he says there will be people that resist the truth. And there will be people that resist like the false uh, prophets resisted Moses, if you will. Well, you know, they resisted Moses pretty strong. They had lying signs and wonders. Amen. Remember, Moses threw his staff down and it turned into a serpent. Well, that was powerful. Amen. I mean, right there, you got preachers calling Charisma Magazine. Amen. They're, 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 right? they're calling Victory Network, and, and let's get out here. And I've turned a, a, my rod turned into a serpent. But then these ungodly, unholy men threw their, their staff down, and they turned into a serpent. Amen. So they resisted him. They stood against him fairly strongly. Now, we know that his serpent swallowed their serpents. That's always how it works. But notice, notice how he says they are. They resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate concerning the faith. In other words, they're disapproved. They're not trustworthy sources. That's not what I'm preaching on, but I I, I want you to see this. You got to watch what you listen to and what you allow into your mind because there are things that are just not trustworthy. And and Pastor Ron repeated it. The Lord said something to me. He said, he said, you got to be careful because if you listen to the same things the world listens to, you'll start thinking like the world. And when you start thinking like the world, you'll start acting like the world. And that's not just sinful. That's, in, that's fearfulness. That's anxiety. Amen. Yeah. Do, do you see, see there's, there's, there's things that are just not safe sources. But here's, look, notice, here's the good news. They will proceed no further. Oh, glory to God. Everything that the world's ingesting, I tell you, it will go no further in my life. 
That's what you got to say. I, if, if I've been ingesting it, I'm not going to ingest it anymore. It will proceed no further in my life. Notice he says, they will proceed no further, for their folly will be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Now, when you look around the, the world that we're living in and, and in our nation, there's some wicked men doing some wicked things. But isn't their folly being shown? The uselessness of what they're trying to do, isn't it being shown? There, there's times we get so focused on the immediate bad thing that's going on. Have we seen how many of these bad things have been defeated, that have been turned back, that have not been allowed to happen? And now I know ultimately it's the hand of God, but it's just people saying, I didn't write. That's not right. We're not going to put up with that. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Now people will say, well, you know, you know, Pastor, are you one of those people that just believe, you know, everything's going to turn? I believe everything. I believe that everything's going to turn to, to this extent as far as people will turn to God. But here's the thing. I always make a separation between the world and the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. I, I'm going to say this, now, and I'm not being arrogant. The, the, whatever's happening with inflation rates hadn't affected me at all, not one bit. Not one bit. Amen. A lot of that's because of the way my finances are set up. The other thing is, the seed that you are sowing, it will produce, it will produce uh, congruent to whatever the situation is in the world. You know, I heard somebody the other day talk about the price of gas here around Little Rock. You know, I was in, in California recently. If you want to put premium in your car, $5.79 a gallon. Amen. I, I went to a mediocre Mexican food restaurant and paid over $50 for my meal. Mediocre. I mean mediocre. The beans were not mamaw's beans. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is how do believers in California prosper? Because the seed produces a harvest congruent with whatever the prices are. Yeah, but this is going up. Eggs are $8 a dozen. You, it's okay. You got seed. You got egg seed. You want eggs? Buy eggs. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now notice verse 14. But you continue in the things you've learned and been assured of knowing of whom you've learned them. What do we do? We continue... We stay faithful, we stay steadfast, we remain with the things that we've learned. Is that right? And, and, and he says, why? Knowing of who you've learned them. Knowing of who you've learned them. And I'm not going to stay here very long, but that's why you got to have somebody that you're following in your life. you got to have somebody that you're, that you're following their faith. You're looking at them. And now I know we all follow Jesus, but Paul said, know who you learned this from. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You know, when, when uh, all the pandemic stuff hit and all those years ago, I was, I was in uh, Kentucky because my dad was really sick. And I was in Kentucky with him, helping him and mom get to some doctor's appointments and whatnot. And it was during that time that our governor, who then was Governor Hutchison, you know, nobody had ever dealt with anything like that. I think sometimes 
we, we give people a bad rap. Nobody had ever dealt with that. We had never dealt with anything like that. But here's the thing. You know, that's when he asked the churches to, to suspend services. I think it was for three weeks, something like that, and uh, because nobody had ever dealt with that. Well, we had never dealt with this, so we didn't know what was going on. So I remember Pastor Larry was in the meeting. I think you were in the meeting, and Ron and different ones were having a meeting with Pastor Michelle, and we were determining how we needed to, to do things. Well, it was a Wednesday night, and I said, I know this is short notice, Michelle, but you need to call Pastor and see if he can come minister tonight. And she said, okay, and here was my thinking. We need that stability of somebody that's walked through some things and can bring a calming influence to our people. Amen. My pastor walks in the room and you're just like, everything's okay. Amen. Hallelujah. You understand? Because there's just, it just, he just exudes faith. We're, everything's going to be okay. Glory to God. Well, here, here's what I'm trying to say. So I brought, and, and that's when the Lord spoke through him. One of the first phrases he stated that night on Wednesday and he looked in the camera and he said, you better be careful, pastors. He said, you'll dumb your churches down and they'll start thinking that watching TV from home is the same as being in the church. One of the first things he said, and I've kept that in my mind. I never allowed myself to fall into the thinking that it's, it's okay Let's just focus on, and we thank God for the live stream. Everybody that's watching on live stream, God bless you. We thank you for being a part as, as much as you can. But here's, here's my point. I, may, I made that decision, and there was a calmness that came to our church, and that set the stage for everything we did thereafter. Amen. Even when we were here live streaming, and it was me and, and Pastor Michelle and, and I think uh, Richard and Kim and, and Larry and Anna would come and help. Hallelujah, there might be six or eight of us here. Well, everybody was just doing what they were asking us to do, but we weren't doing it with this understanding of fear that we're afraid of something. This is what we've been asked to do, so this is what we're doing. But the moment they said, listen, everybody needs to open the doors again, we were right back on it. Fear had been gone. It had been driven out because we were continuing in what we had learned and who we had learned it from. Glory be to God. Amen. So he says, continue, be faithful, steadfast, remain. Well, what are all those things? Faithful, steady, steadfast. What are those? Those are all traits of maturity. Those are all traits of maturity, being mature. The goal of the Christian life is maturity. Your, your goal as a Christian is not to get to heaven. You're going to go there. If you're a Christian, you're going. The goal is maturity. Maturity on the earth produces dividends and rewards when you get there. Oh, hallelujah. So in order to continue, we have to mature. Because a person's what? They're, they mature as they're steadfast and as they finish. As they're steadfast. And as they finish, you, 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 as you mature, you learn to finish things. 
You learn to be steadfast in things. Oh, hallelujah. That's part of maturity is finishing a job. You know, there are things that are exciting to a little child. Whatever it may be, working in the yard, building fence, weeding a flower bed. Amen. And you can go out and buy them the little gloves and the little hat and amen. And now let's go weed the flower bed. Well, you understand how big the flower bed is. You understand the work that's involved. They just see the little gloves and the little hat, and whoo, I'm going to go help Daddy weed the garden bed or weed the flower bed. And you're out there after about 10, 15, 20 minutes. I don't like this. Well, why? Because it's hot. It's the, the, right? The bugs are out. It's, you know, we're in Little Rock is where humidity was born. Amen. And, and, you know, here's, here's the thing. If you constantly just, now here's the thing. If they said they were going to help you, and I'm not saying to crack the whip and make them stay out there all day. It's not what I'm saying. But I, here's what I am saying. If you don't tell them, okay, you can go back in, but you got to give me 10 more minutes. Because you're not just trying to teach that. You're not just having fun. You're trying to teach them how to finish something. you got to finish Every one of us know people that if you drive up to their house, you see many unfinished things. Not looking at anybody. I'm just saying you see many unfinished items. Right? Hallelujah. Where I grew up, it was that car up on blocks that they were always going to restore. Amen. When are you going to sell that thing? Oh, I'm not selling it. That's a classic. I'm a, Right? And then the next week, there was more rust. I, I, that's a classic. I'm going to restore it. When are you going to restore it? I'm getting around to it. I knew a guy one time, if you told him that, he carried a, a, a little wooden disc in it that had the word T-U-I-T on it, and it was round. And if you said, I'm getting around to it, he'd say, here you go. Now you got around to it. <laughs> now you got one. But here, here's my point. So you're teaching that child to finish. You're teaching that child to finish. You're, you're going in the room and you're saying, I need you to make your bed. And you know, obviously, whatever age they're on, they're doing the best they can. But you want to teach them to do it all the way through, ever what their level of ability is. Because if I'm always making the bed for them, they're not learning how to finish anything. And then once they do it, you go check it out, and you check up on it. And you say, come here, I think you can do a better job here. Let me help you move the mattress if we need to, but I think you can do a better job here because I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be steady. I want you to be able to finish. And the only way you can do that is by continuing. Am I helping you? Hallelujah. I've never seen anybody fail because they couldn't do what they were trying to do. But I've seen numerous people fail because they wouldn't be steadfast in what they were trying to do. Amen. I knew a minister one time that every time something would go wrong in his ministry, it was because the Lord had lifted his hand off of that. No, it wasn't. It's because you lifted your hand off of it. The Bible says that whatever you put your hand to, God will bless it. God, amen, God will prosper that. I just, I just got to learn to finish. 
I got to learn to finish. I remember being in the eighth grade and having an issue come up in my life when I quit. I quit on something. And I remember the next day making the decision, I'll never quit another thing in my life. It wasn't wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. It wasn't sinful. I just quit. And I hated the feeling of knowing that I had quit. And I made the decision, I'll never quit again. I'll never quit again. My wife told me one time, she said, I believe, I thoroughly believe that if you were trying to get through that wall, you could run into that wall and back up and see the blood on the wall and see the blood on your head and you'd back up and hit it again. Now, she wasn't calling me hard-headed, contrary to popular opinion. Her mindset was, you don't, you don't know how to quit. Now, that, that can be a detriment because sometimes you're trying to force things through on your own. But, but the point is, is it's part of maturing. And if I don't teach that child to finish at home, then they're going to go get a job where they're being paid and they're going to expect finishing. Amen. And, and they won't just come along and fix it. You're being paid to do a job. Am I, are you with me? Yes. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Maturity is the goal of the Christian life. It requires maturity to take a city. It requires maturity to cover Arkansas. It requires maturity to fill the house in the DeSoto location. It requires maturity to, 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 to touch our city, our state, our nation, and our world because it involves continuing. It involves finishing. Amen. Glory to God. In Ephesians 4, 11, it says that, and a familiar verse, but he says he gave some apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And then he says, here's why. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So in other words, as the saints are perfected, matured, equipped, they do the work of the ministry and they edify the body of Christ. Amen. Believers have to mature so they can do the work of the ministry. So they can edify the body of Christ. You know, in a congregation, the pastor is not supposed to be the only mature believer. Are you with me? And that's certainly not the case with us. But what I'm saying is that's how the mindset that some people have. Well, if there's anybody in here that's mature, it's pastor. Well, I hope so. But you're supposed to be mature as well. Amen. That's, that's, that's why the only, per, the only mature person in a household is not supposed to be the parent. The job of the parent is to mature the child. Glory to God. And when they reach whatever age they leave home, we're turning out a mature individual into the earth. Isn't that right? Glory to God. Our job in the local church is to equip you, to mature you, to give you what you need to face whatever you're going to face when you go outside these doors and you're mature and you know how to finish with the Word of God. Hallelujah. That's the job. 
And, and that's why when you come to church, you get a lot of repetition. And you get a lot of the same things ministered to you. Why? Because that's how you prepare any child to function at their highest level. Is you got to say, this is how you do it. And 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 then when they got to do it, what do they know? How to do it. Oh, glory to God. Amen. So that's why we talk, even this morning, when, when you face a situation, what do you do? Rejoice. Rejoice evermore. What do you do in everything? Give thanks. Give thanks. Amen. Yeah, but pastor, I know that. I, I understand, but we're maturing. We're growing. We're continuing in the things that we've learned. Oh, hallelujah. So then he goes on and he says, till or until... We all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or a mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. One translation says, till we arrive at mature manhood and the stature of full-grown men in Christ. So the King James kind of leaves us a little blind there. So what we're saying is we're growing up into Christ. We're becoming like Christ. I'll never be Christ, but I can become like Christ. I can walk like Christ. I can walk in love like Christ. I can walk in, in power like Christ. I can walk in victory like Christ. Why? Because he's my, he's my, he's my model. He's my blueprint. He's my prototype. My, my, my thing is I want to mature because I want to be like him. Isn't that right? Oh, glory. So the ministry gifts were placed in the church so the believer would be mature, fully developed. And now how's that accomplished? Through the teaching and preaching of the word in the local church. Ephesians 4.15, notice. He says, uh, he says that what will result is that you'll not be children, tossed to and fro, not be deceived, but speaking the truth in love. Do you see that? What will happen? You'll grow up into him in all things as the head, even Christ. So in love, that, that word in, of course, is a, is a preposition, and it's the state that we speak the word in. We speak the word in love. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I just had to tell them the truth. I told them in love. Well, what they're saying is I just whacked them real good. Understand something. I, I've had people say things to me before. I, I would minister something that might be a little challenging. And, and I've had people come up to me in my 25 years and say, whoo, boy, whoo. Well, we got a whooping today. Well, if you felt that way, that's not what I'm doing. When something's hard or challenging, nobody's whooping nobody. There's no whip here to crack. It's just speaking the truth in love. I love you, I want you to mature. I love you, there's things that you have to grow out of. Amen. Does that make sense? When, 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 a, when a minister beats the sheep, he needs to remember he's beating the sheep of Christ. And Christ takes that personal. 
Read, read the seven churches of Asia Minor. He took what those people were doing wrong in his church personal. When he came to Paul and he said, why are you persecuting me? Well, who is Paul persecuting? The church. Jesus said it was him. When I look at you, I've got to see Christ in you. And Paul said in the book of Galatians that we travail in birth again until Christ be formed in the people that we're ministering to. I had a leader come to me one time, and he said, how long do I got to keep dealing with that person? I said, again, until. What do you mean? I took him to the Scripture. My little children, in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now, this person wasn't doing anything that was wrong. They were just immature. you got to travail in birth again until what happens when Christ is formed in them. They're maturing. They're maturing. That makes sense. Hallelujah. And, 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 and I've learned this over the years. When, when somebody is very trying to you, and it's like that person really gets on my nerves, it's probably because there's a level of immaturity in you. It's probably because you need to mature in some things. They might need to mature, but I need to mature. You know, I don't get frustrated at immaturity. It's not maliciousness, it's just immaturity. They just don't know. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. You know, I don't get mad at a little child because they don't know how to finish. They're only six. I know people 66 that haven't learned to finish yet. You, you, you just don't say amen. But, but, but the point is, the point is how, how do they learn that? By speaking the truth in love. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, you're probably going to think that I don't have any faith. Why would I think that? Why would I think that? Well, because of what I'm going through. So you're going through something. Have more confidence in me that I'm not going to go out back and talk about how you don't have any faith. We're all growing. We're all developing our measure of faith. Am I helping you? Oh, glory. Now, what does this maturity look like? Mm. As a believer, there are things... You have to outgrow. There's no, there's no secret formula. You just have to outgrow it. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. See, I can't become like Christ without the Word. No maturity without the Word. So I need that Word being spoke into my life. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. Notice what he says. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Notice, when I became a man, I put away. I, I put some things away. I put away childish thing. I did this. Is that right? I put them away. I was through with them. I gave them up. I did this. Hallelujah. When, when, he, when he talks about I put them away, the word means to render idle, unemployed, inactive, or inoperative. To render idle, unemployed, inactive, or inoperative. 
So those things that I was dealing with, I fired them. I said, you're unemployed in my life. But who did it? He did it. I did it. Amen. There's a, there's a gentleman that I know of, and, and he doesn't live here. He lives in a totally different state. I don't know him personally, but, but I, I've had interactions with him. And there's some things that he's dealing with. And he's always wanting someone else to tell him how to stop doing this. You got to put it away. Wouldn't that be the mature mindset? Amen. Hallelujah. Is that right? As, as a child matures, you know, in the beginning of, the, of, their, of their life, in the beginning of their career, their career in school, you know, if you've got a child in your house that's in school, that's their job. They need to treat it like it's their job. And you need to treat it like it's their job. But, but what will be, eventually begin to happen? You'll eventually begin to uh, uh, have that child wake themselves up. Why? Because who's going to call them when they're 25 and they got to go to work? If you're still doing it, you're hurting them. Amen. I remember the day Pastor Michelle laid Lily's clothes out on the dresser and said, now in the morning, sweetie, you're going to get up and you're going to put your clothes on yourself. Well, Mom, I don't know if I can do that. That's hard. You can do it. And if, you, if something's wrong, you need help, come get me. Well, that first morning, you know, things were kind of askew and not quite straight, but Mama just helped her out. What? The pastor just came and helped her out? And the next morning, things were less crooked. And by the third or fourth morning, she was out there going, Whoo, look how good I look. Daddy, I, I got dressed myself. Got dressed myself. Amen. Are, are you following me? So who, but who had to do that? She had to do that. Who had to put the shirt on? She had to put the shirt on. Who had to get up? She had to get up. Why? Because the flesh will lay there in bed and wait till somebody comes to wake them up and then get mad because they got to get up. I got to teach them. Paul said, I put it away from me. I put it away from me. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what the situation may be. Amen. It's like the lady that was praying at the altar in Brother Hagin's meeting. And she was praying, just pounding the altar. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Brother Hagin said, finally, he just knelt down beside her and said, Sister, what do you want the Lord to take away from you? She said, that old snuff. <laughs> and you remember what he said? He said he told her, and he told her by the Spirit of the Lord. He said, well, Sister, the Lord isn't going to take that from you. He don't dip. He don't want your snuff. You put it away from you, and he'll empower you to do what you put away from you. Glory to God. A lot of people are struggling with things because they're waiting on God to take it, and God says, I need you to put it away from you, and when you put it away, I can do something. That's maturity. I got something to do about this. Oh, hallelujah. I dealt with a woman one time older lady and her husband had passed away uh i knew her husband too and and he passed away 
And uh, when he passed away, uh, of course, she had all the financial responsibilities. And she had a grandson that was lazy and wouldn't work, not couldn't, wouldn't work. And he came to live with her, and she took him in. And he sleep. I don't know if he's sleeping on the couch or not, but he's eating, not working, staying at home all day, gaming, not working, going out at night, spending her money. And then next thing I know, she brings in a granddaughter that's not working. Amen. Now, sometimes when you come to church, you get a rescue. I was ministering one night, and under the Spirit of the Lord, under the, under the Holy Ghost, I just went up to her and said to her publicly, and the Lord doesn't do this to me all the time, but I said to her publicly, I said, and the Lord said, if you put them out, I can bless you. But as long as you're letting them take and destroy everything I'm bringing into your life, I can't bless you. Well, you know, you know what she did? She, 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 she went and put him out and got her in a one-bedroom apartment, put him out. And boy, the Lord started prospering her, started prospering her. Amen. She went through a, a, a trying physical situation, fell, and what, she broke her shoulder? Is that what it was? Broke her shoulder, both arms. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and she's worried about finances. And I said, well, why are you worried about finances? I mean, you're, you're in that apartment. You were making it fine. And, 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 and I just said it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm her pastor. And I just said it by the Holy Spirit. I said, you let them back in? I didn't know anything about her life. I don't know anything about your life. And she dropped her head. I said, you did. I wasn't mad at her. But I looked at her in the foyer of the church. And I said, the Lord told you to put them out. And if you don't put them out, this is what's going to keep happening. See, what is part of maturity in a situation like that? I'm, you don't have a job. You don't want to work. I'm not letting you come in. Yeah, but they're family. Yeah, but they're lazy. They won't work. And the Bible says if a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Hallelujah. See, that's maturity. Immaturity says, well, come on in. And, and you know, my, but my heart, I just want to show them the love of God. That's not the love of God. That's called enablement. That's called enabling them to do and be lazy. Maturity says you got to get a job. Go get a job. Start getting a paycheck. And we'll talk about helping you. We'll talk about it. Oh, can I sleep on the couch? Oh, no. No, I paid for that couch. You can't sleep on something you haven't paid for? This is important. And, and you know what? She had to go all the way back through the process of putting them out again. Is it harder the second time? Yes, it's harder the second time. Well, Grandma, don't you love me? And don't you care? Well, yes, I care about you, but I care enough to put you out. It's important. That's important. Amen. Glory to God. It's called maturity. You don't take God's money that you tithe off of and enable people to live a lifestyle that's ungodly. 
I had one of my children that wasn't wanting to live for God one time. And they called me and said, you could help me. You got plenty. I said, that's God's money. And I'm not going to take God's money and fund your sin. Well, did they get mad? Got real mad. Hung up on me. I'm not, I'm not mad. I, would, would I feed them? Of course I'd feed them. They came to the house and ate dinner. And then started acting like they were going to get on the couch. I said, no, you got to go. You got to leave. You can't stay here. Yeah, but why not? I'm your child. I mean, yeah, you are my child, but I know what you're doing. No, uh-uh. Yeah. Because, listen, if, if you give immaturity a foot in the door, it's, it's not moving. It's not moving. And, you, you know, that same child went through some challenges and went through some hard things. But I look at them today, and they're, they're growing. Things are better than they've ever been for them because they finally learned nobody else's responsibility but mine for my life. And Paul said, I used to be a child. I thought like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, I put those things away. I put them away. I put them away. Not God. God didn't put them away. I put them away. Am I helping you? I've had people come to me and say, I, 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 Pastor, I don't know what to do here. And, and I'm just, I, I, this thing just keeps sucking me back in. You got to put it away from you. At some point, you got to take the body and the blood of Jesus. You got to take the elements of communion and whatever you're dealing with, you got to put it on one side of the table and you got to put the body and the blood of Jesus in between you and that. And you got to take communion and say, from this day forward, on the body and the blood of Jesus, I'll not do that anymore. People say, why is that important? Because if you're thinking right, then you realize to get back to that, you got to step over the body of Jesus to go get it. And I'm just not going to do that. That's maturity. That's maturity. Nobody can help you with your temper but you. You got to hold your tongue. You got to not be mean. You got you to not be, be, be uh, 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 ugly to people. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I believe the Lord will just take it from me. He's not going to take your temper. You, you, the Bible says you got to deal with your temper. And he'll give you the power to do it. The wonderful thing about the gospel we preach, it is, it is the power of God unto salvation. Am I helping you? So he said, I did these things when I became mature. So my understanding, he says, he says I thought like a child. I understood as a child. So how do my understanding my thinking change? Through the Word. My understanding my thinking changes through the Word. Glory to God. There, there are people who never mature. They don't continue because they never let the Word they're hearing change their thinking. Amen. I remember when I was 16. I remember when I turned 16 I went to work one morning. Uh, I, I, I uh, started working full time when I was 13. And, and I went to work at 16 uh, this morning the morning of my birthday, and it just was resonating on the inside of me. Okay, I'm 16 now. I need, there's some things I need to do different. I wasn't perfect, but I thought, I'm 16. I'm just two years away from what the world calls an adult. I need to start acting more mature. 
There's things I need to quit doing. I need to quit losing my temper. I need to quit throwing fits. I need to quit acting like a kid. That, that's just how I thought. Now, I didn't make, match it up 100% or perfectly, but I remember just in myself. Not the Holy Spirit. I didn't go, baby, baby, I need to be more mature. I just got up and decided I need to grow up. I'm out here working with grown men, making grown man pay. I need to act like a grown man. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, that day people would say, boy, you're you doing something different. I just made a decision. I made a decision that benefited me throughout the rest of my life so far. It's when you make that decision. I'm not doing that no more. What does that mean? You're maturing. You're maturing. You're maturing. Tell your neighbor, say, I believe you're maturing. Oh, glory to God. I'm not doing that no more. I knew a minister one time that, that, had, that, that dealt with anger, dealt with, and not just mean anger, but situations, he would just fall apart. And, and you'd be around him, and he'd talk about the power of God, and God can do anything, and it only takes God a second, and, and victory, and, and, and power of God. And then a situation would hit him, and he'd just fall apart. Well, he just didn't believe the word. He just wasn't mature. He wouldn't stand on the word he knew. If you're going to get through anything, you got to grow up and learn how to stand through it. You get, amen. You have that armor and that shield for a reason. There, there are flaming arrows that are flying through the spirit realm. And they're aimed at you. And when you hear those arrows hitting your shield, it's, it's the tendency of the natural man to say, what in the world is going on? Why am I under this pressure? Because there's a devil loose. But you're a mature believer, and you understand, I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will not be defeated because I won't quit. That's just the reality of it. And that's what grown people do. I'm going to get through this. Amen. I've had talked to my adult children before. They call me and say, Dad, we're facing this. You know, what would you do? I say, well, first of all, just calm down. You're going to get through it. Trust me, you'll get through it. Yeah, but I don't, you'll get through it. It'll be okay. Isn't it funny when people are going through something in the natural? A lot of times they tend to reach out to people that have been through things and matured past some things. And what, what can frustrate you is they think they know it all. Well, immaturity knows it all. But at one point, immaturity will have to give way and say, I don't know it all, and I need somebody to help me. And if you've been speaking the truth in love, you're the one they'll call. Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot I could get into there. I'm not going to. The enemy works best in the lives of immature people. Amen. There, there are things that mature people recognize they're just not their business. There are things going on in the life of your brother and sister. It is not your business. And you should just be mature and not worry about it. Yeah, but this is the way I do it. But they didn't ask you, so just be mature and be quiet. Just the reality of it. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Notice what he says. He says, brethren, 
do not be children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. Oh, hallelujah. What's he saying? Don't be content to think childish thoughts. Don't be children in understanding. Don't be content to think childish. I've had people tell me, well, you know, I know this is wrong, but that's how I am. I know you're going to disagree with what I'm saying. I know the Bible says not to be offended, but, well, that's immaturity. Don't be content with that. Don't be content to be easily offended. Don't, don't, don't be content to always be frustrated. Is that right? Mm. But he says, where evil is concerned, be like little children. Be innocent where evil is concerned. If you're ever around little kids very much, they don't know anything about evil. Life is a lollipop to them. Everybody's nice. Right? They think everybody is a great person. They have to learn that people aren't nice. Right? And, and do, do you see that? But Paul says, where evil's concerned, be children. In, in other words, be like a little children. Be, be innocent where that's concerned. Be innocent where that's concerned. And, but in understanding, what's he say? Be men. Be mature. Be mature. So, where your understanding is concerned, don't be children. Where evil's concerned, be innocent. And in your thinking, be mature. In your understanding, be mature. Hallelujah. There are areas people struggle in because of an immature understanding. I remember one time uh, a mother had one of her little children. This is more appropriate for uh, some days gone by because we don't write as many checks today. Uh, but uh, the child was, they were in the store and the, the child asked for a toy and the mother said, I don't have the cash to buy that for you and the child, or the money to buy that for you. And the child said, that's okay, just write a check. Well, see, that was their immature understanding of finances. You know, you know they, don't, they, don't, they don't connect the fact that that check is connected to an account that holds money. They think the check is an end in itself. Never gauge maturity by how long a person's been saved. Look at their thoughts. Look at their responses to things that they face. Look at how they respond to the word. Look at how they respond to correction. That's evidences of maturity. Not just length of time being born again. I've counseled people before that have been married for 40 years, and their marriage was horrible. Well, why? They never grew. They'd been married a long time, but it wasn't a good marriage. But yet people would put them up and say, oh, they, they've been married 40 years. They must know something. Knew nothing. Knew zero. Hallelujah. 
There are people who have been saved for decades and have never really grown. And there are people that have been saved a few months or a few years that have made tremendous strides in, in their spiritual growth. What's the difference? One matured in their thinking and one didn't. And people will say, well, that person's just carnal. Carnal thinking is immature thinking. If you're carnal, you're immature. If you're immature, you're going to be carnal. Amen. You, you don't just think spiritually. You have to choose to think spiritually. You don't just think naturally. You got to choose to think naturally. You got to choose to think carnally. Look, look at something here. Because part of maturity is understanding and being taught that if I miss it, if I make a mistake, I can get up and get back in the game. You, you have to teach that. That's not something that's just learned. That's not just something a person knows. It's learned behavior. Amen. You have, to, you have to teach that child that if they didn't get as good a result on the test as they wanted, they can study more next time and get a better result. Amen. You've got, you got to be careful with those things. See, the church is just a family. And, and the family in the home is patterned after the church family. And, and you've got to be careful with that. I've, I've known people before, their, their child would bring home a bad, not a bad, but, you know, a mediocre report card. or what. Now, what's wrong with you? I know you know better than that. You're smarter than that. i tell you what, your problem is just lazy. Well, that didn't help the child. That was an immature response. Parent could have set that child down and said, now, now where was the problem here? I mean, right? How can we help you study better? Now, I know there's, there's people, children, that are just lazy. I understand that. But you're not going to fix lazy by calling them lazy. Amen. Remember I told you the story about those people that came and left my church seven times? And every time they came, they caused a mess. And somebody asked me, I think it was on the sixth or the seventh time they came back. And said, why are you letting them come back? I said, because you never know when they're going to get it. Now, each time they came back, the restraint was more on them. There were less and less they were allowed to do. Amen. You know, you know one of them, I don't know, if, the, if, I don't know if, they, if they've got it yet. But I know one of them back in church, working, trying to get it. Amen. Maturity. Am I helping you? Acts 15, verse 36. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again, visit our brethren in every city. We preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them Mark, or John Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed from one another, and Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended of the brethren under the grace of God. Now, we look at this. John Mark was immature and didn't continue. It, it doesn't appear to be malicious. It was just immature. But then it says between Paul and Barnabas, the contention was so sharp. The contention was so sharp. That word Greek in the Greek carries the idea of someone with a sharpened stick poking you. It was so sharp 
that they separated. I heard one Greek scholar stating that it appeared most of the contention was from Paul's side. There's hope for us. Amen? Now, now why, why would that be? Because of Paul's mindset, because of his attitude, because of his makeup. Right? Paul's the one that after the Holy Ghost had witnessed to him in every city not to go to Jerusalem. Now, you do whatever you want to do with those verses. But there's a verse that says he met some disciples who said to him, by the Holy Ghost, not to go to Jerusalem. And what did Paul say? None of these things move me. And we'll quote that. And, and we shouldn't be moved. But Paul was saying that after the Holy Ghost told him not to go. Why was that? That was his makeup. That was his physical makeup. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to, I'm going to back, if I see blood on the wall and blood on my head, I'm going to back up and hit it harder. So that was Paul's makeup. He quit. He deserted us. Nope. What does Barnabas' name mean? Son of consolation. Son of consolation. Now, the contention was between both of them. Both of them had a part in it. I'm just telling you that, that the main angst was from Paul. What did Barnabas do? He took John Mark. He took him. And, and I've, heard people, I've heard people say, well, Barnabas really messed up here because you never see him mentioned again. Yeah, but you do see his work in John Mark. You know, there's a lot of people you only see once or twice. Why do you not see Barnabas anymore in the book of Acts? Because Luke was writing about Paul's ministry, not Barnabas's ministry. History tells us Barnabas had a fruitful ministry. I'm sure he did. But notice something. You see his work in John Mark. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Am I helping you this morning? We're almost done. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Now, this is when Paul, remember where he wrote 2 Timothy from, prison in Rome. He's not long for this earth. And verse 9, he writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, and says, do your diligence to come shortly to me. Why? Because Demas has forsaken me, because he loved this present world, departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark, John Mark, and bring him with you. Why, Paul? He's profitable to me for the ministry. Whew. One translation says he's useful to me for ministering. Another says he is of great assistance to me. Another says he's very useful. In serving me. In, in, the, in the book of Acts, he didn't want him anywhere around him. Why? He was immature. He didn't know how to finish. He didn't know how to continue to stand through some things. What happened? Barnabas took him and showed him how to finish. And twice in the book of Colossians and here in the book of 2 Timothy, Paul says that Barnabas is very useful to him. Or that John Mark is very useful to him. Amen. See, you have to be taught that. 
Yeah, but I tried that and it didn't work. Well, come on, get back in the game. We got a place for you. We got room on the team. Amen. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? You can make it, but you have to be taught how to finish. Yeah, but what will people think? Well, who cares? It's not about what people think. It's about you finishing. It's about you standing before God and receiving the reward that he had for you. Oh, hallelujah. So stay under the word. Keep growing. You're of great assistance to the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'll, I'll close with this before we pray. And uh, I've, just, I've had to train myself. I've had to train myself over the years to be immediately forgiving and be immediately forgetting. Amen. Now, I've, I've, I, I, I had a person one time in the church that uh, after church, at, well, before church and after church, they just really threw a fit. And, and it was over something that was going on and, and uh, uh, that was not out of my control. I tried to fix it, but it was something that was not, it wasn't spiritual. It, you know, if you looked at it from the natural, you're like, why would you be upset about that? But I, they, they, they jumped on me right before service. And uh, you say, what'd you do? I said, well, only thing I can do is try to help you with this. And so I, I, I turned to the person that was in charge of that, and I said, make sure this happens. And they said, okay. And, and as I walked off, I said, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them. Uh, they, I don't know what they're going through, but I forgive them. And after service, they came up to me and jumped on me again and just, you know, let me know how wrong they thought I was. Over something I couldn't, that, I mean, it, the only thing I could do was what I did. And I just stopped and I said, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them. And I went and did something and I came back out and the lady uh, approached me and she goes, you know, I really want you to forgive me. I said, for what? She said, well, you know what it was. It wasn't that long ago. I said, no, I've, I have forgiven you. Mature people forgive and walk on like it never happened. I never know when I'm going to have to minister to that person. And that's not just a pastor's viewpoint. That's the believer's viewpoint. Because the Bible says we're to encourage each other. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, it says if your brother is found in a fault, if he finds himself in a bad spot, or your sister, it says if you are spiritual, restore him. Amen. The pastor people need to learn there's a consequence. Listen, if they keep going down the road they're on, they will learn there's a consequence. We're trying to help them avoid the consequence. And now right bow your heads with me today, would you? Hallelujah.